Welcome to the Scottish Year of Success. My name is TJ Dow and I believe that we all have a bright spark inside. When you find yours and light it up, not only do you light up inside and that feels amazing, but you light up the world around you as well, allowing other people to feel that amazing too. What a great gift to give to you and your world, the people around you. Spark to Your Success podcasts are designed to bring you a little positivity, a little bit of inspiration and some insight into your day. So today I'm really excited because we have a special guest on the podcast all the way from the United States, Arizona. Yes, Phoenix, yeah. Arizona. Whew, I got that right. That was a good start. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I would like to introduce you to a young man. I still class you as young man in your 20s, 27, 27. Uh, just, uh Just hit the 30-year mark. Oh, <laughs> So, st- yes, yeah, so still young. Yeah. If you know to that young at heart, maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, of course, is our audience, young people and the young at heart. Let me introduce you to Sean. Sean Steiner. Sean is passionate about making a difference to young people in the world. And you'll hear that through his story of his journey. So our missions are very much aligned. And so it is my great pleasure to welcome you, Sean, uh, and to have you here on this podcast. I know that your message is just going to be so beautifully timed for so many listeners today. So tell us a little bit about who you are right now, and then we'll kind of go back to the past and unfold. Well, a little bit about me right now, currently working full-time, going to school, working on getting my bachelor's degree in business administration with a concentration in information systems management. You know, I started my new life down here and just kind of just figuring my way through it all and kind of finding my way and finding my path is kind of a little bit about me. I love to uh, play sports. I like uh, comedy and enjoy people's company. And yeah. So let's go back in time. (laughs) Rewind the clock. So tell us a little bit about you as a kid, young kid growing up. What were you like? I grew up in a small town outside of Madison, Wisconsin, a little uh, suburb outside of there. I had two older brothers. You know, I was kind of a three-sport athlete. Well, I started off with soccer, then I was baseball, basketball, and football. Real active kid, really loved burn the energy. You know, I had yes. a lot of that going on, and, you know, it's hard to keep up with me. Uh, and I was the youngest of the three, so... Uh, Definitely had my trials and tribulations with the two older brothers. And, you know, it's typical growing up and my parents divorced at a young age. It was before five or six years old. So I was really young and they remarried when we were young. But it was typical growing up. You know, we had everything we needed. We lived comfortably. So it wasn't that struggle wise. But, you know, I just loved to be the center of attention. I had a lot of energy. I loved being active as a kid and kind of carried over into my adult years too. (laughs) So happy-go-lucky kid, love to be around people, enjoying life. and uh, Love dancing too. Love dancing. (laughs) Still do. Because we were just talking earlier about, you know, you're definitely a people person. And so that like so, so makes sense to me. (laughs) We're going to be around people, having fun, different people, different places, different times, doing different stuff, of course, massively variety driven. So tell us about what happened next, kids. Life changed. A lot. So, you know, I had two older brothers. They were both actively in sports. My oldest brother was really had good grades. Middle middle brother, he was really good at football. And growing up, it's like I felt like 
yeah, I was good at the sports and whatnot, the school, eh, because I was just so, as they labeled me ADHD, so it was hard to keep me in one place at one time. And so I didn't really you know, excel in that aspect. It got to a point where it's like I had to find a way to get that attention. And mm. it kind of went out and getting, getting in trouble and kind of just grabbing the attention in a negative way just to, you know, gain attention. And which eventually led me, you know, started drinking on my 13th birthday and it kind of, you know, accelerated from there to other things that, you know, it got progressively worse as high school went on, you know, and I just, I just felt like I wasn't being noticed, you know, by parents or teachers, whatever. And so it just led me on a dark path, which then in my high school year, my senior year, my mom had sent me to an outdoor wilderness therapy program called Red Cliff Ascent. And so while I was out there, it was like, I learned everything basically Boy Scouts learn, but in a short period of time. And after that, kind of went to boarding school because it was, you know, not going back to my friends and old situations that could get me into more trouble. You got into trouble, you went to the wilderness camp, Mm -hmm. and then you went to boarding school to stay out of trouble. Yes. And uh, surprisingly enough, that's where I kind of really saw what I was capable of, what I could actually do when I was A, under pressure, B, when I had no other choice to do so. I was behind in high school as far as what credits I needed to actually obtain my high school diploma. Uh So in doing so there, I had received, I think, and they could only count on their two hands less than that I was able to accomplish as many credits in a short amount of time in four months. I think I got like six or seven credits in four months. And, you know, we had to have A's and B's there. You couldn't, you know, move forward as far as chapters and onto new classes without doing so. But it really showed me that when I put my mind to something, I was able to accomplish a great feat in a short amount of time. Right. So great lesson. It's kind of like lesson number one. Tick. Yeah. So you were underachieving because you didn't put your mind to it because you were busy off doing other stuff that was not so good. Exactly. I was like the class clown, the funny guy. I always wanted to get a laugh out of everybody. Uh-huh. I wanted to do what Sean wanted to do. I didn't think about the future. I didn't think about, hey, well, if I'm doing this, this, and this, what is this going to do later in life? You know, I didn't care about that. You know, yes. I was in the moment kind of guy. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Because I know that a lot of our young people listening to this may well be in that position right now. <laughs> so very relatable. Yeah. So uh, we've done wilderness and we've done boarding school to keep you on track. You uh, yep. learned the lesson that you can do great things when you apply yourself. Then I uh, graduated high school. I was a few months ahead of my class. So I had a few months after I came back. It was in April. We graduated in June. So I had a few months or whatever until I actually walked. But um, in my head at that time, I was done with what I was doing before. Unfortunately, it hopped right back in with the same crowd, same friends. And, you know, I wasn't really ready to, I guess, give up that lifestyle. And fast forwarding, it just uh, led back to the same things. And then it just got progressively worse as far as that goes. And at 18, 
I had lost uh, my brother. He had committed suicide. He passed away. Um, so I was 18 years old, and this was my middle brother, which who we were, had a good relationship with, mm-hmm. and it really crushed me. And it kind of really drove my addiction home, I guess, as far as that goes. So you said you kind of went back to the same crowd, went back to my old lifestyle. Share with our young people and our listeners today, what was that old crowd and what was that lifestyle? Because we've not kind of really told them what it is yet. It's kind of like the, you know, the partiers, the smoke weed, drink, just not really putting any effort into progressing towards something bigger or, hey, this is a career path I want to go to, so I'm going to start going to school. It wasn't those kind of people. They, It wasn't that they put you down, but they didn't push you, that kind of crowd. And, you know, it's all about having fun, all about living in the moment. Obviously, birds of a feather flock together. So that's what I meant by old crowd. I and mean, I wouldn't say they were bad people. It was just we we didn't think ahead. You know, we were young. You had to be young and dumb before you're old and wise. That's the kind of phase I was in. I wasn't ready to push myself my mindset and thinking of it now looking back was why try something and fail when i just don't have to do it at all and then i they can't say nothing so i'll just do what i want to do so your brother committed suicide which is a tragedy yes he was like a really good friend to me you know other than being my brother we spent Mm -hmm. a lot of time together and someone who I trusted and cared deeply about. And so it really crushed me and it kind of drove me into more of my addiction and kind of self-medicating and not dealing with those issues, being able to talk with someone or just letting it out. You know, it would come out only when I was, you know, drinking and I would cry about it, whatever. But um, to actually have dealt with it and actually give that experience the time it needed to, you know, process was something that drove me harder into my self-medicating. What did you self-medicate with? Anything really I could get my hands on, whether that was alcohol, marijuana, cocaine, um, Vicodins, and, you know, abusing prescription drugs that I was not prescribed, but I abused them and it was a nasty mess. And which eventually led me into heroin, which really was my go-to, was my quiet, my head, made me feel good about myself, made me forget all issues and problems that I had, you know. And um, that started around like age 21. Yeah. I would say 2021 is when mm-hmm. I found that one. <laughs> And it took me through a whirlwind of pain and agony more than I thought. But at the time, it was the one where that drug that, like, like I said, quieted my mind and quieted any inhibitions or it made me feel good about myself, so to speak. And I think that's interesting to hear because, you know, people are not their behaviors. Their behavior is an outward symptom of an unmet need. And so it's like not judge people for how they're meeting their needs, but kind of understand it so we can support people to help them to meet their needs in a better way. And I think this conversation certainly is highlighting what the upside of doing the heroin was for you uh, and was meeting a need at the time, but meeting that need in that way was also self-destruction 
and not sustainable in the long term. So interesting to hear both sides. It led you to a whirlwind of destruction, but you know, it quieted your mind and it made you feel good. So it's good to hear both sides. So yeah. where did it go from there? You know, everyone always said, you know, you're a good person, whatever, but it's, it, I didn't hear it. I kept using, it wasn't strictly just heroin, but it was a mixture of things that made me feel good in the moment. Never really kept a job. You know, I tried a semester at school. I ended up dropping out because I was, um, you know, I didn't have a vehicle. Like I said, I didn't have a stable job, so I wasn't able to get a vehicle, whatever, to get to school. So, you know, full circle, all my money went to just having fun. And it led to a lot of lonely times in my head. There's definitely my mom. She was always there, always supported me, always was there for me to pick me up and Luckily, she stayed on me because if it wasn't for her, definitely she helped save my life. It got to the point where she found my drugs, found my stash of heroin, and was going to have an intervention with me, with my friends and family. Uh, last minute, my dad canceled because he just didn't want to spring that on me, which I appreciate. But at the same time, it's like maybe I did need to hear it, you know, because at that time, I didn't think no one cared about me. You know, in my head, like I was just this horrible person, which even in my drug use, I was, I was still a kind, loving person, but I was more self-serving and it's what Sean needed at that time and how I acted, you know, it definitely hurt the people around me. You know, people seeing me self-destruct was not a good thing. And, you know, all my friends were willing to be there for me. And so my mom talked to all of them privately and they were the friends that like, oh yeah, we knew, but we just didn't want to say, you know, and, but they were caring enough, like, Hey, you let us know when and where mm. we'll be there. So after, like I said, I got wind of the intervention. Well, I was like, cat's out of the bag. But the thing is in the back of my mind, it's like for the longest time I wanted to stop that lifestyle, but it's like the whole stigma behind heroin use, like, Oh my God, that's a horrible person. Why would they do that? And so in my head, I'm like, well, I can't ask for help. I can't say, hey, I have a drug problem. It's not like you can go to a family dinner night and, oh, how's everyone doing? Oh, you know, great. By the way, you know, I have a heroin addiction. Right. But, uh, it's not something that anybody with any problem outside of just addiction has. You know, they, it's hard for people to just come out and say because they feel judged or whatever. And, you know, society shows that, you know, people kind of break on people that, have issues and they kind of like to point the finger when they don't realize four pointing right back at them. So my mom gave me the option of going to treatment out in Prescott, Arizona. And I took the chance. I was crying. I was beaten. That was a low point. It wasn't even, you know, how people see the low point. Like they describe these just horrific scenes. It wasn't like that for me. My low was just how I felt inside. I was just, Oh my God, I was devastated. I was, I cried. I literally cried to the person on the phone. I cried to my mom and I was just like, I'm done. I, I can't live this way anymore. It, I need something new. I need to get out of here. I need to be away from all, you know, uh, options to be able to, you know, because originally we were going to do one in Milwaukee, but I was like, you know, it's probably better if we do something further away. Yeah. Cause I know me. as soon as the tough gets going, 
I'm out the door, you know, so. Right. Yeah, so you made it harder for yourself to do that by going further away. Exactly, and 2,000 miles away is definitely far enough away <laughs> with, you know, and, and I just needed a change of scenery. I needed new people around me and kind of just to get out of where I was. Then I went to Prescott, and there was like a six-month program, so I went through it, and um, yeah. And here you are out the other side. Yeah, well. We are, and we're glad that you are. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about uh, what's your greatest lesson and, and blessing within all of that, because I have a belief that everything happens to us for a positive reason. And sometimes when we're going through stuff that's really hard and dark, it doesn't feel very positive, but you now have the gift of hindsight and kind sight. So mm-hmm. what was the, the lesson and the blessing of the, all of that? <laughs> There's definitely a lot of lessons and blessings I uh, had gotten from that, this whole experience so far. I would say it was um, don't be afraid to ask for help. If you feel like that person's going to be judgmental, then find another person you can say, hey, I, I need help. Someone that's not biased about the situation. Like my mom, she wasn't biased. She, all of her brothers, alcoholics, and my oldest brother as well, he's a recovering alcoholic, and she was right there. Find someone that's gonna be able to cheer you on and build you up, because at that point, when you're already feeling like you've lost everything, you've lost all inhibitions, it's good to say, hey, have someone there saying, you know what, you're a good person. You're, you're going to be able to do this. You know, it's going to be tough, but I'm here every step of the way. Not only that, my greatest, I say my greatest lesson is keeping a positive attitude and believing in yourself. Because without that, I probably would have went right back to where I was. You know, I was in my head. I always kept telling myself things are going to get better. Things are going to get better. It's only one day out of many days ahead of you. So you could be dead right now. You could be in jail right now. You could be, I'd say the worst thing was still be doing what I was doing. So I know that sometimes, Sean, like young people will say to me, yes, but TJ, like you just say, like be positive, change your thoughts. But that's really hard, isn't it? And yet you just gave us such a beautiful example of how you did that, the things that you said to yourself. On top of that, keeping a positive attitude, and it's still to this day is being able to laugh at yourself, being able to just be like, you know what, and kind of make a funny story out of it and kind of being able to laugh about it. Because if you take life seriously, we're all going to the same place. I feel like laughter helped me definitely heal as far as with the pain that I went through and, um, you know, the struggles I went through and being able to just have a good laugh and just get you in a good mood it gives me energy to laugh, you know, so that definitely actually helped me as well. You know, being able to laugh and not take yourself so seriously. What's your message to our young people that might be finding themselves kind of on the brink of that kind of behavior and going off the rails or maybe they're already there. My key thing with that would be find something you're good at, find something you're passionate about, put yourself around people that, are doing something that are going to make you step up to your next level, be able to level up and not be around people that are just kind of living. They're not 
pushing themselves to be a better person. They're not pushing themselves to strive for something better. Find something that helps you feel like time is lost where yeah. you can just zone out, whether that's playing sports or playing a musical instrument, going for a run, working out, whatever, whatever your thing is just to get out of your mind. Because I know as growing up as a teenager, you have a lot of stuff getting thrown at you. A lot of stuff you need to do, a lot of stuff you need to think about as far as your future. Find something that will help you clear your mind and be able to receive encouragement and receive just ideas of how to step up. Interesting you say that because a young lady uh, here in my office a few days days ago, 13 years old, beautiful young lady, and we were talking about people will always rise to the level of expectation that you set for them so why would we set bar low and like you said you know sometimes when the pressure's on it's amazing what you can actually achieve that you didn't even think that you could mm-hmm. yeah great exactly. quick message and also about being around the people that you want to be like because in you know, a great phrase that you know show you, show me the people you spend your time with and i'll show you your life and that could be yeah. good and it could be not good so the right mm-hmm. peer group is really, uh, really important. What would you say to any of our parents who are listening that are kind of really concerned about their young people and what they may be doing right now and um, maybe feeling a little bit like, I have no clue what I'm supposed to do or where to go with this to support them right now? So, you know, talking to my mom and like I said, me and my mom are rather close. We've had a lot of deep and intimate conversations as far as this whole, my whole adventure. Um, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What she did was to be there, but not to overbearing, be overbearing. Be there and say, hey, I'm here for you. And not to really press it because what I had learned about myself is the more I got pushed to say, Hey, you need to do this. You need to do this. Well, I'm going to go do that. <laughs> you know, right. I'm going to go. Head in the direction. Yeah, I'm going to go. There. I'm going you're, you're to tell me what to do. You know what I mean? This is, I'm, this is my life, you know? You're not the boss and, of me. I'm doing what I want to do. Yeah. The more and more she pushes, the more and more it pushed me away from what she wanted. And for parents out there, it is definitely a headbanger it's definitely one of those things like i just want to shake them you know and just say hey do you know and my mom said that to me plenty of times she just wanted to shake me and to say hey get your stuff right you know i know you can do better always be encouraging even if they are in a bad way just say hey you know i love you you're a great person you're so smart whatever you know however you want to say it to them just to let them know that someone does care because some people I had met in recovery had a lot of their family that turned their back on them. And they were kind of like, this is your last resort. You screw this up. We're cutting you off. We're done. We don't need to talk to you anymore. And so I learned that. I was like, man, that's just horrible. You know, hearing that because of the support I had around me, friends and family otherwise, they have to figure it out for themselves. They have to be, like I said earlier, young and dumb before they can be old and wise. And I know it's really hard because sometimes it goes to the extreme of God awful things. Just always be there and be able to give them options. Like, Hey, well, I have this workshop you go check out or, Hey, I got this, whatever the case may be. Like my mom giving me the option to go to treatment. 
just always be there for them and don't try to push it because it's just going to push them away even further. So you're at the other side now. You are in Arizona and you have a beautiful wife and you are working and life is very different. The bit that I'm really excited about, having gone through all that and out the other side, what is your mission? What is the future? So the future for me is kind of entrepreneurial adventuring. But once I um, got in contact with TJ here and seeing what she was doing with young adults and teenagers, I was like inspired. And that was kind of part of what I want to get into is help troubled teens that, you know, are on the wrong path, be able to motivate them and show them like it doesn't pay. And on the end side, I want to eventually open up my own recovery center slash animal rescue. We're kind of like the people in recovery help rehab these animals, find them homes. With that, they not only learn how to take care of themselves, but they know how to take care of another living thing, which is kind of a powerful thing. It's really something I want to do. And not only that, but with the recovery aspect, be able to give them life skills that they can use to then maybe start their own career path or go in their own direction, whether that's computer skills or marketing, whatever, you know, whatever they want to get into and help them with that. But um, also like property management, I want to be able to have transitional housing. So when they get out or people that aren't even in the recovery center that I want to start for me, I personally didn't have credit. I didn't have renter history. So it was really hard for me to find a place to live. You know, I had to find a room for rent. And so having that option available as well, not only that, but then, you know, if they need a job, because I know most people I knew in recovery have felonies, whatever the case, and the stigma behind that, being able to get work is just impossible. I've heard of all these people filling out hundreds and hundreds of places and they're not going to hire you. And it's only really the low end jobs. So being able to have them, live on the property, but they can also work off their rent and gain valuable skills, whether that's remodeling, you know, fixing up the place or whatever the case may be and kind of do that. So I got a lot of ideas and then you've inspired me to want to do my own podcast now. You know, that Yay. was it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that um, you're going to do that. And I also like skit comedy, I like to stand up. I've done actually a few stand-ups when I was sober and when I was uh, once back in Wisconsin. Yeah. I did pretty well, and I actually wrote it night a couple nights before, and everyone thought it was hilarious. And I was like, well, I just kind of threw that together. So that and improv comedy, I love making people laugh. That's one thing is I like to do is to get people out of themselves and be able to just be real, you know what I mean, and not so serious and just take some time to laugh, you know. But uh, – and then also, you know, I want to do motivational speaking and not only speak to troubled teens, parents as well that are going through it, and to also speak with current people that are kind of in their addiction. I like to tell my story. I like to inspire people, even outside of addiction. When you think you're in a bad place, you put your head to something and you put your mind to something, you can achieve great things. I've learned that through the last for a little over four years. It's like four years and four months I've been sober. I hear all these people say, well, I couldn't do this. I couldn't go back to school. I'm like, well, you're probably right. <laughs> With that attitude, you know, 
So I like to change people's mindset, be like, you know what, I can do it to motivate them. I think that you're exactly the right person to do that. Your story will definitely touch many people's lives for the better, that ripple effect. And, you know, it's all right for people to talk about things, but the kids will go, yeah, it's all right for you. You don't know what it's like. Well, actually, no, you do want to know what it's like. So you speak from experience and the experience of coming through it to show them there's much more to life and there's so much more to you. And I love the vision that you have for the recovery centre, not just being a recovery centre, but bringing the animal side in. That absolutely brings the biggest smile to my face. But also thinking about perhaps the things that other people don't think about is not just about being in recovery, but like where do you go from there into that fresh start without the support and with the stigma so I think that your vision to build in a transition uh, part is absolutely inspired uh, and so so valuable and then to get to bring the comedy into it as well and make people laugh on the way what a great mm-hmm. combination <laughs> what a great I'll combination. grab their attention you know absolutely yeah. that'd be you queuing know, up the door to come to your recovery center and rehab it can also mean just people that kind of stuck in their ways it doesn't even have to be addiction just they feel like they're stuck they need to rehab themselves to be able to level up go where they want to go instead of living comfortably with the paycheck yeah reigniting that spark in them exactly (laughs) full circle full circle there we go there we go Sean, any final words of wisdom to our audience before we say thank you so much? TJ, I want to thank you. This has been a real honor being able to be on this podcast with you. I hope that people, whether that's adult, young age, teenager, whatever, can just take a second and just believe in yourself. Just know that, yeah, this day may be bad, but there's better days to come. It's only one day. And don't let one day ruin many days. And most importantly, be able to just laugh at yourself. Thank you so much. We will be watching your progress as the weeks and months and years go by. Can't direct anybody to a website or anything yet, but anybody who wants to connect with you can certainly do that through Back on Track Teens. I'll give you them the contact details for that in a second. And uh, I know that there may well be listeners who have questions that you can help to answer for them. So I am very happy to be the connector in the middle of that to pass those on to you. More than happy, yeah. Thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure. I'm excited for your future. We say we will keep in touch and see how that story unfolds. So many thanks. You have been listening to me, TJ Dow, and Sean Steiner here on the Spark to Your Success podcast. And so if you want to get in touch, uh, leave your comments or questions, then you can do that either through the website. If you go to the blog page on www.backontractteens.com or you can email me directly, tjtwjay at backontractteens.com. I look forward to hearing from you. I love when people get in touch and they do that all the time. So I look forward to those comments and questions. I will pass them on to Sean. In the meantime, have an amazing week and don't forget to laugh at yourselves. Bye for now. Bye.